0: Hello and welcome to this episode of A Clean Bill of Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Galen Nuttall, and as always, this is the spot where I interview people who are up to amazing things, supporting and enhancing the lives of physicians, especially Canadian physicians. Now, I have a quick question before we hop on over to the episode. Have you ever wanted to work with a financial planner, pay them for their advice or a plan, but not have to buy a product from them? I got good news for you. I do that. It's called fee-based planning, where you pay for a plan that answers your top questions like, should I pay off debt or invest? Am I making the most of my corporation? How should I invest inside of my corporation? What do I need to do to be on track for retirement? And much, much more. If you want to know more and are wondering if you're a good fit for fee-based planning, head on over to galenhelpsdocs.com. That's G-A-L-E-N helpsdocs.com. Read up more about it and book a free call where you and I will talk and see if you're a good fit for fee-based planning. And now on with the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Clean Bill of Wealth podcast. I am joined by Michelle Hannay. Michelle, awesome. I heard about someone who helps physicians with leadership and building teams. And I thought that's really interesting because I don't know a lot about that. So we're going to have a really awesome conversation. Michelle has a long history of working with physicians and clinic teams. Michelle is a certified executive coach who helps physicians create teams that work by building their own leadership skills and clinic processes that work for them. So welcome to the show, Michelle.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. And let's what I really like to what I'd really like to know is like, how did you get to this, what sounds like to me, very specific sort of niche of helping physicians build teams? Like first we'll talk about how you got there and then like what does that look like. So yeah, like how did you end up in this space of of supporting physicians?
1: <laughs> I'd like to say that it was a calculated, you yeah. know. <laughs> it, it absolutely was not when I look back when I look back now, I see that it's all kind of come together um but along the way, I really didn't have a plan um so I had a science background and uh and I first got into sort of human factors work and ergonomics, and then that led into quality improvement work, and from there, I started working with um mainly primary care, but, but also some uh, specialty practices around practice redesign. And then later on, I got involved in uh, team development and physician leadership development, I'm very interested in team culture. Um, and then more recently, I became a certified executive coach, uh, which has really kind of Like the bow on it all, kind of ties it all together. And then most recently, I did uh, some um, a program on instructional design. So I feel like like I've got all the pieces of a puzzle now. And you know, I always kind of regretted that I didn't go into a helping profession. You know, that I I I didn't become uh, a clinical person myself. But I realize now that you know, we all serve in different ways. And so I serve by supporting those who care for our population.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. And, um, yeah, cause there's still that ripple effect of supporting mm-hmm. physicians and their teams. And then that going out into the community of the people whose health is, you know, their, their work yeah. and, and, and why, like how, how, how did it end up being physicians specifically? Um,
1: well, I've always been interested, I've always been interested in medicine. Um, so I've always kind of circled around it. <laughs> I've been in the periphery. Um, and so I guess just always drawn, drawn to my mom was a nurse, that maybe that was part of it. I think sometimes when you are around it, uh, kind of infiltrates mm-hmm. who you are. And I think you, you have a, a parent who. It's a physician,
0: is that right? Uh, my dad's a physician and my mom's yeah. a nurse practitioner. So, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. So ended you know up what being, I'm talking about? Yeah, ended up being a financial planner who supports physicians. <laughs> so, yes. No, <laughs> yeah. no, very cool. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That that background might have lent you to that, and um, so yeah, so physicians, bit of a background there uh, with the family. And what would you say is you know like when when we first started talking about doing this episode? I was thinking, okay, leadership and building teams is obviously very important. But the first thing that kind of hit me, and it hits me a lot with physicians, is I always think, oh my gosh, they don't have a lot of time. Hmm. And like, how can they dedicate extra... Like, what does it look like to dedicate time to this aspect of building a team or building an efficient team? Mm -hmm. And I certainly feel like, you know, that I've been... Uh, a patient at a doctor's clinic that didn't look like it had a very solid team or processes. And I've been at some that felt like they had very solid teams and processes. So I guess I can yeah. think back to where they may have needed some help with this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what does that look like to actually come in and do this? Like, I feel like, you know, it's one of those things, where it's like, oh my gosh, I just need to, I just want to help people. And here I am getting bogged down with like teams and yeah, you know, the way things know. are working. Yeah.
1: And I'm absolutely, I mean, that's, you know, most people go to medical school with the dream of working with patients, caring for their patients. And then what do you mean? I have to manage a team? I'm sorry. I just want to care for my patients. So you know it's it can be frustrating. Um, but I think once they realize it doesn't have to be onerous, it, it doesn't have to require a lot. And once you've got your team supporting you, it makes your job so much easier, and it takes so much of the weight. Off the physician who's carrying the whole load. Uh, when you can distribute some of that responsibility, it makes you know it takes a lot of the worry and the stress off. And actually, Galen, are you are you feeling game for a skill testing question?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Okay. All right. So, University of Texas did a study a few years ago, and they thought, what if if we look at uh, professional basketball teams and professional baseball teams? If we attribute a score to each individual player based on their skills and, you know, everything sporty about them, and we add those scores up, can we accurately predict who's going to win the championship at the end of the season? Hmm. So in one of the sports, so baseball and basketball, one of them, they found they were able to accurately predict with 90% accuracy and the other 35% accuracy. So, which do you think was which?
0: I think baseball was the ninety percent, and basketball mm-hmm. was the thirty percent.
1: You are a smart cookie, girl. <laughs> so, why why do you think that?
0: Well, um, because with with baseball, and let me be clear that I don't watch a lot of sports, but <laughs> uh, with baseball, there's not a lot of team. Mm. Like, and and I mean, baseball. Actually, I find baseball incredibly boring. But anyways, don't, don't hold it against me, anybody. <laughs> but I did watch that movie Moneyball. It was very interesting. Um, maybe that's how I knew the answer. But um, basically, you know, baseball, it's like if you've got really good hitters and they're just all lined up and they're going to hit, 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 you're going to mm-hmm. do really well. In basketball, you may have some amazing players, but if they're not playing as a team, they're not going to do very well.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So when you think of healthcare, is it more like baseball or more like basketball?
0: Oh, basketball. 100%. Mm,
1: absolutely. So there's much more complexity. There's things happening unexpectedly. And you can have a fantastic shooter, someone who can just, I, I, I'm speaking as if I know, but three pointers from the there top you know. of the key. How's oh, that? Yeah. Um, but if the team can't get the ball to that person, mm. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So clinics are much like that, where you've got that excellent shooter with all the skills if the team can bring the ball to them, they can be really efficient and effective. But if you're just, if everyone's playing their own game, they're not going to get very far. So traditionally, medicine, uh, and I tend to think about family practice. That's sort of Mm -hmm. where the bulk of my, Mm -hmm. so when I think about family practice, you know, 100 years ago, It was usually a physician and they might have one person working for them in their office, and might even be their wife, you know, Mm -hmm, answering mm -hmm. the phones, making appointments. And that, you know, that worked okay. Uh, But now medicine is so much more complex. They've got we've got patients, we can diagnose so many more things. We've just it's just super complex. And now we've got electronic medical records to work with, and there's just so much more coming in all the time. So what worked as that sort of individual sport before doesn't work anymore to be really effective and really to keep your sanity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It works best if you have a really skilled team supporting you. And um, critical to that is having really high levels of trust of those team members. So um, it's not just anybody. You, know, you have to make sure you've got the right people that you, have, that you trust implicitly um, that, that mm-hmm. are there, you know, supporting you.
0: Well, that's, it's really interesting you should bring that up around trust. Um, and, I, and I appreciate you kind of mapping out sort of that evolution of the simple practice that may have existed quite some time ago, now mm-hmm. to the very complex practice of, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I'll go into a doctor's, a family practitioner's office, and there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. And um, when you say trust, definitely that hit me because I was going to ask about, you know, how much of it is that letting go of control? trusting someone to do the right thing Um, because I so just to speak from a personal level it took me a really long time to let go of the editing of this podcast Mm. where I was like I have to be the one who edits it no one's gonna do it as well as me like Mm. it's just that's just how it is and then one day I sent it off to someone on Fiverr and for 15 bucks they edited my podcast better than I could (laughs) <laughs> and i thought oh i'm not going to do that anymore <laughs> yes. but it was a leap of faith cuz i was like oh, mm-hmm. no one's going to be as good. and it's not like i'm bragging about how good i am it's yeah. just i'm so picky i'm like who's yes. going to be as picky as i am about my baby you know as who is and i just didn't feel like there'd be anyone out there so is that mm-hmm. and that, i mean so i get that's a big part so how do you how do you build that trust i mean what does that look like to have that trust yeah. that people are doing what they need to be doing
1: yeah yeah so it's um well, you know, it starts with, and I know some people kind of cringe, like team," like the word "team." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you know what words words matter, mm-hmm. and it actually all starts with those perceptions. So when when we hear a physician say, "This is my staff," and my staff helps me care for my patients, like my staff helps me, versus, "This is my team, and we work together." To care for our patients right? so mm-hmm. it's it's very inclusive um, and people care right so when your staff there's a distance there there's a mm-hmm. you know when i'm part of the team we're all working together toward a common goal and so when you've got people's passion and their hearts you know in in with them um it's much easier to build that trust with them so that's one big part of it is having this shared vision. When we look at highly effective teams, they have a shared vision. They all are working toward the same goal. You know, you think the goal is pretty obvious. We're, we're, we want healthy patients, um, but there are some nuances, and it always amazes me how each team can come up with slightly different nuances in what their vision is for what they want to achieve.
0: Yeah, for sure, and. Um... Really, it's kind of funny what you said about team, like and how words matter. Um, like, I'm part of a year-long team uh, building and leadership building program, and it's pretty funny. One of the first things they had us do is, "What does team mean to you?"
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And a lot of people are like, "Oh man, teams are the worst." <laughs> 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 and it was like, "How many of you think of team as like that school project where you had to do all the like either you had to do all the work, no one else did anything." Or you were the person who didn't understand and felt like they weren't pulling their own weight. Like, and I mean I can only imagine that doctors as typically high achievers mm-hmm. could be like, Oh yeah, I remember all throughout school, I was the one who like pulled my who, you know, had to drag everyone kicking and streaming, screaming <laughs> towards success on the team. <laughs> and I'm not saying everyone is necessarily like that, but I imagine there's some of that. So it's yeah, it's like how does how does team, you know, what do you what's that like instant reaction to team? When I say team, like what's that word association? A lot of people it's just like, ugh like team, like those never work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So it sounds like there's some things you can do to work with people and and kind of shift
1: that. Yeah. And I mean, and it also, you know, patients always at the center and it's, you know, it's one thing, it's one thing to pass your, you know, podcast editing to somebody else. But when we're talking about healthcare, the stakes are high, right? And when you're the most responsible provider, it can be really, it can feel very scary to to let go um, of some of that control, and so it's it can be a gradual process, baby steps. Um, you know, when you're feeling like you trust someone, then you can you can gradually hand over, uh, see how they do, and then over time, I haven't met anybody yet who hasn't realized, oh, MG. <laughs> <laughs> Here I've been trying to give yeah. my di- diabetes patients advice on nutrition and, you know, the, the CDM nurse, I, I realized she knows so much more than I do mm-hmm. about this. And really, I'm not the best person to be talking about this. Or um, sometimes one thing that merits mentioning too is um, we have to recognize that not everybody has a lot of people to work with. Mm-hmm. To consider their team, some clinics are smaller, so sometimes you have to get creative and uh, I've seen a lot of um, even solo practitioner clinics where they have um, started to work with their community pharmacist, so mm-hmm. you know often clinics are located very close to a pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes sense. And so if they actually talk to that person, often pharmacists have done extra training in things like um, like smoking cessation or um, sometimes they'll even have some nutrition diet training. Like they have, sometimes they specialize. And so talk to them, see what they have to offer. How can you partner? And then how can you communicate with each other? So how can you make sure that it's not just a, I'm just going to refer you on to somebody more that we're going to treat for you, treat Sorry. We're going to treat you together. We're going to work for you together. So, um, It takes a little bit of planning and a little Mm -hmm. bit of consideration, but it can really uh, be
0: great for patients, great for patients. Yeah. I mean, it sounds to me. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that's (laughs) good. I was was just going to say that it sounds like there's just more, there's like looking for that possible collaboration of, is there a pharmacist that could take over some of this who may even actually know more about certain things or the nurse who may know more about certain things. Um, And, and so it's kind of like, that sounds to me like a shift from I'm the one who has to do all these things. Mm -hmm. And obviously from a place of care for the patient, And full disclaimer, I definitely don't compare my podcast editing to like (laughs) critical care stuff. Just in case anyone's like, Galen just compared being a doctor to editing a podcast. Like, no, no. Yeah. Anyway, that I did. So that that for me was like, it's it's so hard for me to even hand over something as simple and non life threatening as the editing of a podcast. Like, how much harder could it be to hand over some critical points of care for a patient? Right. Um, And, but I'm seeing that like they are, they're, there could be once someone does the looking that mm-hmm. opportunity to have someone who may even be better at something take over that portion yeah. of things rather than having to see so much of it through
1: yeah and then that and then that also requires some um, thought so when we see so the difference between so Galen, if I were to say to you if I'm your physician and I would say you know Galen, um, I'm gonna refer you, to the pharmacist for some uh, some consulting on uh, on on weight loss. Let's we'll just say, so some pharmacists have done some extra work weight loss. So I'm going to refer you, I'm going to refer you to the pharmacist for that. Now, as a patient, you may feel like um, I'm sorry. I I trust you. I know you. Who is this pharmacist? Am I getting gypped here? I came like I want to see the doctor. You're the doctor. I don't want to. So, so there's a really um, strategic way of creating this shared care. You don't, you don't, you don't just approach it that way. We need to do what we call. Well, some people call it passing the halo. Mm. Um, some call it a warm handoff. And so, instead of it, if I said to you, Galen, you know what? Um, I'm not actually the best person. To talk about nutrition and weight loss. But Bob, the pharmacist next door, has fantastic training and our patients have really loved working with him. I'd really love for you to meet with him and see if working with him might be helpful for you. How does that sound? So that, that warm introduction and showing that you believe and trust them um they're not being passed off they're being handed up
0: yeah no i can definitely see that like cuz i know that when i um, you know basically as 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 the days are leading up to a visit with the doctor i start making lists of things that i'm like <laughs> yeah. okay i don't want to i want i want to make the most of every minute here i don't want to forget anything that's wrong with my body or for my kids or whatever it's like yeah. okay maybe let's make that laundry list so yeah <laughs> i can totally see how someone might think wait wait wait, wait. like you're the doctor here Mm-hmm. Why would I go talk to a pharmacist about weight loss? Mm-hmm. But I definitely see how you position that um, introduction or handoff mm-hmm. as to I'm here in the in the capacity of making sure you get the best, you know, specialist in mm-hmm. front of you, and this person actually knows more about this than I do. Yeah, and, so and we're going to talk.
1: We're going to talk yes. about it, right? So, right. Um, so you know, we'll consult after, and we'll come up with a plan with you that works for you. So they know that you know you're still involved. But you're recognizing the limits of your own um, abilities and making sure they're getting the best. Yeah,
0: yeah and for me, I think that for me, that would help me build a lot of trust with my physician to, to, <laughs> for them to, you know admit that they might not be the best for this, but that they do know someone and they want to make sure that I'm talking to that person. That could mm-hmm. be really great. Like, oh cool. Like I get that you, are, you have a lot of expertise in this, and I'm definitely coming to you for these things. But the, in this specific case, it actually makes sense for me to talk to someone else. I yeah, like it. And to
1: keep with our sporting analogy, oh, yeah. the, the physician is still the quarterback. We'll go to oh. football now. Still the quarterback, always aware of what's going on. All information is flowing back. Um, but, uh, but they're not responsible for everything. So yeah. the key is that physicians have a very... Um, Specific skill set. And mm-hmm. our goal is to make sure that they're doing the work that only they can do and the things that other people can do. They could do it all, no doubt. They could sure. do all of it. Sure. But it makes sense for them to only be doing the things that, that they can specifically do and mm-hmm. leave the rest of the work to other people.
0: Absolutely. Makes tons of sense. Stay in that zone of genius. And mm-hmm. so, what does it look like? Let's say, like, you know, when you start working with a physician and their team, like, what are some of the things that you see when you meet them? things that they need support with, and then what does it look like after you've kind of taken them through a process?
1: Yeah, well, quite often what we see is, um, I'll see, like to call it working alone together. (laughs) So everyone is kind of doing their own thing, and they're very good at what they do, but they're not always aware of what other people are doing. And so, when we start to kind of peel back the layers, and we'll start just by looking at maybe some of their processes, and everyone is like rolls their eyes, like, oh, this is, you know, we know what we do. We've been doing it for years. You know, we're like, okay, okay, we're just going to take a look. And so, we'll start talking about, okay, what are all the steps in process A? And inevitably, I have yet to do it where this hasn't happened. Where we're like, wait a minute, you do that? No, 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 no. I take the blood pressure when I room the patient and the physician's like, well, no, but I take the blood pressure when I first come in. Like, (laughs) um, well, where are you putting it in the EMR? Well, I put it in the box that says BP. And like, there's a box that says BP. I put it in the soap notes. So, so there's things going on. There's rework happening. There's duplication. um, People are not aware. And then what also happens is people realize like, wow, I had, I thought, I thought the receptionist just answered the phone. I had no idea the level of responsibility the reception group mm-hmm. has and what all they're doing. So, it builds um, when people understand what each other are really doing. They connect on a, um, a deeper level. They have more respect for each other. Um, and so, it starts to kind of open things up. Now, I've been in clinics where literally the receptionist hadn't, had worked there for two years and had not met all of the physicians
0: whoa
1: yeah so mm. so there's there's quite a few clinics where it's it's, it's definitely not team yet it's mm. it's very very isolated and people doing their own things and when I look at teams like that when you dive a little deeper into the processes another really typical thing I'll see is um, I'll ask say the reception team. Okay, how do you do this process and they'll say, Well, it's complicated because um for Dr. Jones, she likes it done this way, so we do we do this, 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 and this, but but Dr. Smith likes this, so we do this, 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 and this, and so it's very complex for them it's very inefficient, and so when we can again pull back all those layers, pull bring everything out into the light, and say okay, what is one process that makes sense for the receptionist to be doing? So for the physicians, what can you all agree on that will meet your needs? That is one process that, that we can make very clean and clear for the receptionist. And then when someone new comes in, when someone is hired, it's so much easier for them to learn what to do. It's very clear. Um, And, the other thing with, with looking at processes that way is I also find very typically maybe the clinic opened 20 years ago and whoever started the clinic created some processes or they just sort of evolved. And then over time, new people come in, they're taught this is how we do things. No one ever really steps back with a critical eye to say, well, why do we do it this way? is this the best way to do it? Is Mm. there a better way? And so that happens all the time. So when we just take a few minutes, like it doesn't take a lot of time really, but devote maybe a couple lunch hours (laughs) to meet as a team and figure out what is the best way to do this? Is there a more efficient or effective way um, to to tackle some of the things we do day to day?
0: Yeah. I mean, so, so it sounds like there's some of that, like, this is the way we've always done it. Mm -hmm. Even if it's an old way of doing it that doesn't even make sense anymore. And then what you said about kind of more like the duplication of uh, activities, like are people getting their blood pressure taken multiple times? And then also that stress on the uh, team of different doctors wanting things done in different ways. And I really liked what you said about once people know the thing, what everyone else is doing, there tends to be a higher level of you know respect. Or and I get that for sure because most people would only know what they're seeing on the surface. They wouldn't mm-hmm. possi- they couldn't possibly know what's going on behind the scenes. Like, oh, you're managing different, you know, different communication with different offices or different pharmacies. Or I mean, who I don't even know what might be going on behind the <laughs> scenes. But there's certainly I can only imagine lots of things going on. Um, so that's what, and the fact that you said it doesn't take a really long, like because I think that oh there may be this sense of oh my gosh to sit down and look at all the processes sounds like daunting but you're Mm -hmm. saying like it can just happen you know you strategically place it over a series of lunch hours or like you take that time to do it and i can only imagine the return of investment on of time Mm -hmm. of sorting all these things out increases team efficiency patient efficiency so probably makes a ton of sense
1: yeah, and you don't expect to like. It often takes years, <laughs> you know, to get. So it's just it's we just peck away at it, right? Just one one step at a time, and yeah. eventually it just get better and better. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, that sounds really. Neat. I really like that idea of, and I mean, I I can imagine. You know, it's um. One of those things where having a third party come in to support with this, I imagine Mm -hmm. makes a big difference. Then like if I were to pick it up, pick up the like do-it-yourselfer guide to clinic efficiency, (laughs) it would be really hard to bring it to people who already have sort of a um what's the word, like relationship with me or biased again, you know, of like, Oh, here he comes another <laughs> wacky idea. That's going to last two minutes and we're not actually going to do it. You know, that sort of thing. I can imagine that helps sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh with that sort of, Oh, everyone's in their own rut. How are we going to bring new ideas to the table mm-hmm. in all likelihood? It's going to have to be a third party that comes in and does that.
1: Yeah. 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 So it's, I mean, there's, there's so much, there's so much to it. So we, we just, yeah, we have to take it one step at a time. Um, and then when we get into like team, it's all about, well, like, I mean, really, it seems more and more I'm realizing life in general, when you boil everything down, it's relationships. Absolutely. Always it's relationships. Yep. And the same thing with, with, um, with clinics and the high functioning teams uh, have really strong. Relationships. They have high, high levels of trust and very high levels of psychological safety. Um, In fact, actually, um, Google, several years ago, I guess now, they, you know, it's huge. Google is huge. And they they work in teams. And they had some teams that were so great, so effective, and other teams that just weren't gelling. And often, they would they tried like, okay, well, let's put together our smartest people <laughs> into this team, and they're gonna get and often that team would crash and burn. Like, so what is the magic? What what is it? So they they spent years, they brought together researchers and sociologists and psychologists and tried to figure out um, what is it, what is the secret to creating really effective teams? And they actually looked at 180 of their teams over over well over a year, they called it Project Aristotle. And after much analysis, the thing that boiled down was it's psychological safety. The teams with the highest psychological safety were the high functioning ones. And so when they, when they looked at them, they'd, they'd have that team full of the really smart people where they put their you know, smartest people mm-hmm. together in the room. And often where there was low psychological safety, people would be like, they would only speak... When they knew they they were one hundred percent accurate in what they were going to say, mm. and so there was absolutely no innovation happening there. People were, did not feel so. I mean, just to be clear, psychological safety is when you feel like you can express your thoughts, opinions, ideas, concerns without the risk of being belittled or um, mm. you know feeling like your your ego is being trampled. It's you feel safe saying whatever needs to be said. And again, high levels of trust are critical for that, so the teams that actually worked really well when they when they looked at them, it was a completely it was like a free for all there mm-hmm. was laughter there yeah. was people would throw out crazy ideas the crazy ideas, but those crazy ideas would trigger somebody else 's idea, which would trigger somebody else's brilliant idea so mm. that that level of um, Of trust is really critical, and and so that's that's actually a really interesting area of -hmm. of study. Is how do you build psychological safety in teams?
0: Very interesting, and I'm glad you clarified what that psychological safety is that that sense of being able to express yourself freely without fear of mocking or Mm -hmm. retribution or anything like that. And pretty funny, I was smiling a little bit because. I am going to pick on a former team I was a part of. I'm not going to name names, but uh, I was part of the corporate structure for a little while, a part of the corporate machine. And one time I had a, a, someone who was like, you know, the team leader of a group of people. Like we were technically subordinates, I guess would be the word. And one day it, we got into a meeting and they said, look, I'm ready for some new ideas. So I'm not going to talk. We're gonna go around the table and everyone's gonna come up with their best idea and I'm not gonna say anything. And I'm just gonna let you guys talk. So went around the table, everyone said their idea. And when it got to the end, this person said, Well, none of that's gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, ah right. <laughs> like, I'm done. I'm not yeah. gonna say anything again. So, and then they went on like a 45-minute tirade of why nothing was gonna work and why why weren't we? Um, more effective and why weren't we more efficient and everything so mm. I was like goodness gracious but what I wasn't able I mean I certainly knew that it wasn't functioning because certainly I didn't feel like I could ex like I could express myself freely. Yeah. but I also didn't know what to do about it and I also didn't know what needed to be replaced and so I feel like that's what you're talking about a bit here, which is really cool. And I know that's what you want to go into on the masterclass. Yes. Yes. We'll can't talk about it so much right psychological now.
1: psychological safety.
0: <laughs> yeah. Psychological safety. Very cool. And um, so, I mean, one of the things is um, I definitely want to tell people where to find you and like where to, where to find out more about um, working with you. Um, but any final thoughts around teams and teamwork and um, leadership for physicians before we do that?
1: Hmm. Well, I think, I think just if there's a message to take away, it's um, try, like don't be afraid of it. I know it, it feels huge, and it feels like we. I didn't get leadership training in mm-hmm. in med school, I'd, and most physicians don't even see themselves as leaders. Um, so it's it's okay. It's it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. Um, that's why in in the programs I like to disperse it. In little bite-sized pieces. So just just try this one thing, incorporate it into your day. See how it goes. Once that's going well, here's another here's another little thing to try, and over time you'll find that um, your your team will just start to gel and the work feels easier, so mm-hmm. much easier.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it. Don't be afraid of it. Get started somewhere. Work with mm-hmm. it a bit. Yeah. And see it yeah. shift. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Michelle. And what is the best place that people can find out about the work that you're doing and, and how to get in touch with you to, to um, learn more about the work you do?
1: Mm-hmm. So, I have a website. It's really creatively named Michellehanny.com. <laughs> And uh, it has the different programs, or if uh, people work with me just for individual coaching, that's an option. Or uh, I have a, a program starting soon called "Hive RX," and uh, kind of working off that analogy that um, you've got a queen bee. And mm. we've got a whole hive of worker bees that support that queen to be able to do the work that only she can do. And so, how do we uh, t- do the same thing with your clinic and make sure that it's just humming like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like an efficient beehive?
0: I be, I love <laughs> it. Love it. So, so michellehane.com, which is m i c h e l e. H A N N A Y dot com. And of course, the link will be everywhere that I post this <laughs> to make it easy to just click on and go straight to. But yeah, no, thank you so much. You gave me a lot of insight into leadership around physicians, and the physicians may not even see themselves as leaders. But uh, in fact, they in clinic, in a clinic setting, they often are, and how to create efficient teams uh, and trust. And now, for anyone who um, has signed up for my financial literacy challenge and has access to the masterclass series, you'll be able to click into there to watch, to go into a deep dive on psychological safety. So awesome, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks so much for having joined me on this episode of a Clean Bill of Wealth Podcast. I truly appreciate you taking the time to do so. Really warms my heart to see the numbers of people listen to each episode go up. It's just a lot of fun. Feel free to scroll through the other episodes. I've interviewed a lot of really amazing people and just want to get their insights out there to Canadian physicians. If you're left wondering anything about your financial plan, whether you're making the most of your corporation, are you on track for retirement? Are there more efficiencies you could be finding? feel free to head on over to galenhelpsdocs.com. That's G-A-L-E-N helpsdocs.com. You can read more about the work I do, uh, my offer of fee-based planning, which is pretty popular among medical professionals where you pay for a plan, you don't have to buy a product. Go over there, click a button, book a free call. We'll have a quick conversation and see if you're a good fit for the fee-based services. All right, thanks so much for joining me. Take care.